welcome, welcome to episode 17 of the Unweaving Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, chronic pain specialist, and as always, this is not a substitute for medical advice. So, first off, I just wanted to share that I am, I have actually officially completed my year-long deep dive mentorship with Dr. Valerie Rain, and she's the author of Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Please check out the book if you have never heard of it. And, oh my gosh, it just feels like everything has come full circle. I will, everything is still processing, but it's just amazing to, it's almost like I've been awakened into a whole new world after the amount of deep healing that has been done. And then I'm going to be officially certified as a um, thriving facilitator for basically just helping get the patriarchy out of your damn brain. Because under patriarchy, according to Dr. You know, like the way Dr. Valerie Rain says it, it's so beautiful. It's like under patriarchy, a woman's power has always been a punishable offense. And this ties into so much of what I see in the women I work with who are suffering from chronic pain. So much becomes about their own self-worth and, and bringing out the, their true authentic selves and really the layers that are like trying to hold that back and, and hold that down. So anyways, I'm just really excited to be officially certified and to have completed that. And the journey always, always continues. And if you want to hear anything more about that, please feel free to DM me. But all of that is things that I've been bringing into my work on a very, very deep level. So if you're interested in any one-on-one work, um, now is definitely the time to let me know. As of right now, I have two spots open. And that's for like deep dive VIP one-on-one, like we're working intensely for six months together because this work is intense and requires a deep dive. And um, I'm not sure, I am not yet sure if I will be continuing to offer the one-on-one, especially at the start of next year, because I have some fun things coming instead. Um, so we will see. I, I, I am like, it's going to, we're going to have to see what space I have. So anyways, if you for sure want them, then definitely reach out now before those get taken and before I'm not sure how I'll be offering things in the future. Anyways, this all relates to what we're going to be talking to today. Because what we're going to be diving in today is really about how perfectionism really blocks healing. And perfectionism and the patriarchy are just go hand in hand. And I love that the term, like just patriarchy perfect that Dr. Valerie reuses all the time because yes, like the, the problem with perfectionism is, well, there's a lot of problems with perfectionism. One of the problems with perfectionism is that often what we are seeing as perfect is defined by the patriarchy. So these things get very embedded together. And I am not going to dive into the patriarchy today, as fun as that would be, but definitely pick up the book if you're interested, the Patriarchy Stress Disorder book. Um, But I do, yeah, we're not going to talk about that today. Too much, too much to fit into one episode. There's so much good stuff to talk about. Okay, 
So first off, you might be like, what the hell does this have to do with my pain? So let's just bring this full circle. If you haven't been listening to other episodes, especially, you can always go back to some of the earlier earlier episodes. It really ties in directly of why perfectionism creates chronic pain. And short answer is perfectionism is perfectionism is going to create an increase in your nervous system sensitivity. It'll put you in a more heightened nervous system response. And that increased sensitivity directly causes chronic pain. So we really went in depth in the, uh, uh, the other episode of how perfectionism, perfectionism creates chronic pain. And what I wanted to really dive into is how perfectionism can block healing because this is huge and is, um, I think deserves a very, very, um, deserves, deserves its own episode and deserves distinction here. Um, obviously it's going to block healing if you're just continuing to engage in perfectionism because you're going to continue to increase your nervous system sensitivity, but we're going to look at that at a much deeper level. Okay. And really what it comes down to is at the end of the day, perfectionism is going to stop us from taking action. So often we blame things like procrastination and laziness and, well, I wasn't prepared enough or I didn't set the right goal. You know, right? We like dance around it. And most, the the number one reason that people aren't taking action is perfectionism. And it's because we're often setting ourselves up for an impossible task, an impossible goal. Like we know we're going to fail. So your nervous system is like, well, and, and failure, let me add on to that. And when you're stuck in this, failure feels like shit and is covered in shame and just feels awful. So your nervous system is like, ah, oh, no, thank you. It's actually just much better if I don't take action Because if I don't take action, yeah, like, sure, I'll feel super guilty about it. And I'll have shame spirals about that as well. But I'll, like, avoid the vulnerability and that rawness of putting myself out there and trying. And then potentially failing. Because that feels way fucking worse. Like, like, really? And I want to first just invite you to take breath right now. Just take a breath, see your safety. You are safe right now. And think back to what it feels like. I'm sure there's something that you can come up with very quickly of what you've been trying to do in your life, but really haven't done it yet, okay? And that feels shitty, right? Like, notice how that feels in your body. What comes up? Give yourself some space. You can always pause if you want to take more time here. Okay, shake that out if you need to, because it doesn't feel good. And then can you think back to a time where you put your heart and soul into something? You put in the effort. You tried really hard. And you still did not meet the expectation you were hoping to meet, the outcome you were hoping for. Whether it was like a project at work, whether it was like thinking back to a school assignment and you wrote some amazing paper and then you got it back and you got a t- 
terrible grade on it, or um, maybe even it is in relation to a, a habit you're trying to do. And it's like you put all this time and effort and work into like finding the right gym and buying the right shoes and finding the right outfit. And I don't know, like all this legwork that went into it. And then it doesn't pan out. Feel into that. That feels way fucking worse. I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know what you're feeling in your body. So if that's not true for you, totally, totally valid as well. (laughs) All things are valid. There's no right answer. And I'm going to take the guess that it feels a lot worse. And this is why perfectionism stops us from taking action. It's way easier to just live in your head and be like, well, I'm going to do this when all things align perfectly. Because you still have like some control over the scenario, right? That's that's not nearly as vulnerable. Like, again, it's still going to feel shitty. Like, don't get me wrong. It doesn't even feel good. I mean, sometimes it can feel good to indulge in these perfectionist fantasies. That can be fun, too. But it's really putting yourself out there and doing the thing and knowing that you do not have control over the outcome because we never do. That's really fucking hard. So shake that off, take a deep breath, because that's big stuff right early on. And it's so important because this is where perfectionism comes and just like embeds. I like imagine perfectionism as this like sneaky substance that just like embeds itself in everything. It's like a it's it's like a virus, which feels like even weird to use that example right now, COVID times. But it, that just like, right, it's just everywhere. It spreads everywhere. It's ugh, ugh. And there's something that can be done about all of this. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more about just this perfectionism and how it stops us from taking action and why taking action is so important too. Really, at the end of the day, <laughs> we need to take action, Right. Like, if you have a goal, if you have something you want to do, if you, I don't know, have a business you're trying to build, you're just trying to start a family, you're trying to be a better mom, I have no idea what what it is for you. All of the desires that we have in our life are going to require some sort of action. And I even want to take a pause here. And I'm not going to go dictionary definition. I'm going to go for this podcast episode definition here of what we are even defining as action in the first place. Okay, so for the purpose of this episode, I'm talking about action just being something that you implement, that you change for the purpose of creating a better life for yourself. To It's like... Anything that you do that is just like going to bring you closer to thriving or growth or, you know, again, a really like positive benefit here is what I'm referring to as action. And so I even want you to notice right now, what are you thinking of when it comes to action? Because I can assure you, we'll bring in the patriarchy real quick. The patriarchy is affecting what you're thinking of as action and as is perfectionism. Because again, they're going to be interweaved always. Right. So perfectionism even like is is already defining what you're even thinking of 
as action. So for example, an action you could take is getting more rest. To me, that's an action because you got to put your ass in bed. <laughs> that takes an action. That takes intention. Okay, you can intentionally rest more as an action you're taking in your life. And again, I'm really just using the word action for ease in this episode. We could like argue about semantics here, but that's what I am referring to. Another action you could take is doing inner work. Stopping, pausing, taking a breath. To me, these are all actions we are taking in the name of thriving and living a better life. So I want you to notice if you're like, but that's not action. Well, one for the time being, maybe think of a different word completely if just action's not jiving with you. But again, just notice that that's being caught up into what perfectionism is. Your perfectionism, your specific version of perfectionism is defining as action. To me, a lot of times inner work is an action. Stopping and sitting my ass down on the floor, because that's where I like to do my inner work. You can do it wherever you want is taking the action and going through the like what is blocking me here or just tapping into my body like taking the pause to like be like what is going on in my body those are all actions and even the pause to be like is the action that I'm taking going to serve me is an incredibly important one because I can't not tangent. I'm like trying so hard. Okay, I got a tangent real quick. <laughs> it's just gonna happen. We can use anything against us, right? I my tendency is to stay way too much in inner work. I'm like, I could I could really like once I sit my butt down on the pillow, I could sit there all day long on the floor doing inner work. And that then in itself becomes a form of procrastination of I need to do my inner work perfectly before I can take my next action. Okay, so like <laughs> let's just be real clear on that. Um, again, that's like a whole different topic in a way. Very related though. But so I think that even that action of taking the pause of, is this next thing serving me? Might be one of the best places to land on here. But it's really tough to ask that question if we cannot really one, listen to our bodies for the answer. And two, if our answer to that question is so embedded in what perfectionism is, right? So let's say you, a, a woman who is working a very highly demanding job, she has three kids. If she, she might stop and ask herself like, oh, is rest going to serve me right now? Is going to bed an hour earlier going to serve me? And her perfectionism might be like, absolutely not. You need to go do this and be the perfect mom and go do this and this and this and this. And she'd be like, oh, well, I asked the question. Rest was not going to serve me. But really, because I'm just assuming she's tired because that sounds exhausting to have a highly demanding job and three kids. And at the end of the day, if she was really listening deep in her body, assuming this is right for her, of course, the embodied answer would be like, yes, rest is supportive here. But we sometimes can never contact that embodied, deep, knowing answer when our 
thoughts of perfectionism and what defines it and what is perfect and our beliefs about that are blocking the way. So again, these are all things that are going to get caught up in taking the right action. And that's really at the heart of it. And taking the right action is essential for healing, right? Like we can't heal, like if we're constantly taking action that's not actually aligned with what our body needs in that moment. So the other thing is, is that perfectionism is extremely rigid. And so you'll notice in that last sentence, I said, doing what's right in that moment. Perfectionism is often this like blanket vision that we have of like, this is what it looks like to be the perfect mom. And like, I don't know, you get the image of a, a woman and this is totally, I have no idea what image comes to your head, but just notice it's like a woman in the kitchen with a little apron on, cooking her meals, serving her children, serving her husband. I don't like, that's what it looks like to you. It's almost impossible then to see where actually going to bed early is part of what it takes for me to be the mom I want to be. Because we have this like very, very rigid vision of what the right action looks like. Or if if you're an entrepreneur, it might be like showing up in my business looks like this. It must mean I'm doing this and sitting at my computer for three hours doing whatever it is you're doing. I have no idea and blah, blah. And you might not see where actually going and taking a walk and taking a break is exactly what helps you have the spark of creativity for your next genius that you're going to put out there in your business. So it's so rigid and it does not leave any room for the, the natural cycles that occur in our daily life. I'm not even going to go to like monthly cycles here, but that too, and yearly cycles, like just on a daily, (laughs) daily basis, if you check in with what is the right action right now, it's probably going to be, and you check in in the morning, it's going to be a different answer than if you check in in three hours. In three hours, it might be like, you need to go eat lunch. But in the morning, it might be like, okay, let's sit and do some mindfulness work. Or like, let's sit and crank out some content. I have no idea, right? Or got to get your kids to school. That might be the right action in the moment. Um, so so it's, it's even just, there's no room in perfectionism. There's such a rigidity in the thinking that happens amongst perfect, perfectionism that makes it so like, if we are doing anything outside of this perfect little box of what we have deemed to be perfect, we are failing. And what does that create? All that creates is cycles of shame and guilt when all we're doing is just being a human. Like a human sometimes gets hungry. A human sometimes has to go pee. A human needs to rest. A human needs to move. And oftentimes those very basic things of being a human don't match up to what our vision of perfectionism is. And therefore we are failing. Like 95% of the day, if you could even, if you could even ever achieve what it looks like to be perfect. Like that's even debatable in itself, right? Because chances are, I mean, by definition, perfect is unachievable. So it's just noticing like how much are you beating yourself up for being a human, number one, and noticing how much energy does that take 
It takes so much energy. And that is one other reason why it becomes very challenging to take action. Like who can relate? I'm raising my own hand right now, even though no one can see me, to sitting in front of, if you work, if your work has anything to do with a computer, or even if it doesn't, like if you're a full-time mom, you can relate to sitting in front of a computer with it open for hours on end in the name of trying to get something done, right? Like whether it's like you're trying to write something for your business, whether you're trying to put together the meal plan for the week or pick a school for your kid or, you know, shop for clothes for your kid or whatever. And it's just takes like the entire day (laughs) to do some like very mundane task that like should technically only take, you know, 20 minutes because we are so caught up in the emotional drama. Like, are we doing the exact right thing? And not that I didn't do this like literally two days ago. Am I picking the exact right slippers for my children, for my child? I only have one child. (laughs) Or like, am I writing the exact right thing? Is this podcast episode going to be perfect? Right? How much do we not accomplish? Again, it just blocks action and, and sucks energy. And at the end of the day, when you have chronic pain, energy is already drained. So many women with chronic pain suffer from fatigue. And I would say one of the biggest reasons is not the pain itself. It is this. It is the emotional drama that's tied into the perfectionism. When we can remove that, even if the pain doesn't change, holy shit, it's amazing what opens up. It's amazing what actions can be taken. It's amazing how much better people feel, even if like the baseline pain doesn't actually even change. Often, though, it just will because of this, because this gets opened up, but it doesn't have to. It's not going to in every case. That's not why we're removing the mental drama. But once we're cleaning the plate or recognizing, right, because it's never, the mental drama is always going to be here. Please, I teach this and I still have mental drama about this. I just shared an example of like, you know, searching way too long on the internet for slippers for my kid. (laughs) Like it still happens and I'm much quicker at recognizing it. And pulling myself out and having the tools to know what to do when it's happening and then not going into a shame spiral about it happening because that used to happen too. And so, you might even notice in areas, and I'm curious, if you notice areas of your life where you do have a lot of grace and allowance, or maybe you don't, maybe you haven't even thought of it in this way, that it's just like the ebbs and flow just come naturally. Maybe that isn't something as simple as like hunger, like, oh, I notice I'm hungry and I eat food and then I'm not hungry, right? Like that's an ebb and a flow. There could also be a shit ton of mental drama around that of like, oh my God, I'm hungry again. I just ate. What is this going to mean? Right? Like there could be, there's a lot of time, a lot of mental drama around food, but that's just an easy example. Um, Maybe you have no mental drama about going to bed at night and, and, and going to sleep, right? Or going like maybe hopefully at the end of the day, there's no mental drama about needing to pee. I don't know. Sometimes I wait too long, but I don't ultimately have mental drama about it. Right? I don't know. Do you? Um... Where is somewhere in your life where there are these ebbs and flows and and it's okay? Or like even, 
I mean, we haven't even talked about the ebbs and flows of emotion as much, but that obviously, that absolutely comes in too. Like sometimes we just feel happy and sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we feel super excited and other times we're like, fuck this day. (laughs) And those are ebbs and flows, right? Like where do we have drama about it? And what I really want you to notice is where do you not have drama about it? Maybe it's in something like if you can look back to a time where like you learn to drive. And like, sure, there's frustrating things you're learning. It's hard. Like you had to remember to buckle your seatbelt and check all your mirrors. But like it was something you were learning and you were excited to learn. And and so it was like, okay, maybe you just wanted to pick up an instrument as a hobby. And so you could learn with and like suck at it at first. And there was no drama about it. Okay, like where are some examples in your life? Think back to anything. It might be something that you experience now that just comes supernaturally to you. It might be something you would think of at the past. Like maybe when you were a kid, just like go back to when you were like four years old learning how to like climb the ladder at the playground. I don't know. Or where it just like you didn't mind that it was really hard, you sucked, you failed. And then you just cut back up and try it again, right? Like those just ebbs and flows happen. It didn't mean anything about you. There's no story. There's no mental drama about it. It just is. So breathe that in and like, what what does that feel like in your body? To even be able to say something like, wow, I did a super shitty job. And like, it's totally fine. (laughs) Like, it's totally fine. Because it doesn't mean anything about you. And maybe you can even embrace and laugh at the shittiness of it all. Okay, so I want you to like, feel what that feels like. And then, what does it feel like to step into something that does have mental drama around it. Maybe it was one of the very examples I gave that kind of triggered your system a bit. Maybe it's about the pain itself. Like each time it comes up, it sets off a spiral of emotional drama. Right? Can you feel the difference of what that feels like in your body? And even notice the posture your body wants to take in thinking about what it feels like to have like the guilt and the shame and knowing if it's too much like stop shake it off look around like oh you can pull yourself out of this anytime and if you're okay to hang with it or step back into it step back into it and notice like what does your body want to do and how does that feel does it feel energizing does it feel like it makes you want to take action feel empowering? I'm going to guess probably not. And so much love and compassion. And I am celebrating the hell out of you for having the bravery and courage to even be hanging around and still listening to this. That is hugely massive. So yay. So shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Again, look around, just refind your safety. Feel your feet on the ground or your butt in the chair. Just breathing that in. And really what I want to touch on a little bit next is getting into a little bit more about why all of this 
like the other place, all of this helps or helps <laughs> blocks healing. So I want to start by using that example we just did um, because I want to notice what came up from, for you. For some people, you might be like, yep, kind of what happened is what I expected or kind of what I went along with. For other people, I've noticed, I'm, I'm curious, it was like, oh, I didn't feel exactly what she described or I didn't think I, I didn't feel anything or I didn't do it right. And just noticing where thoughts like that are even coming up. And I want to make it really clear with a thing like this, especially on a podcast, there is no way I can cover every possible response because they're endless. I cannot know what is happening in your body and it is impossible for what's happening in your body to be wrong. If you felt something, you did it right. And that feeling could be numbness, resistance, or I didn't feel fucking anything or I didn't want to do it. That's all feeling something. Okay. And we can dive into, like when I'm working one-on-one with somebody, we're really getting into how to work in the body and the things that are coming up. And for the sake of the podcast, it's impossible because it's very individualized. But what I want to point out is, are you expecting perfectionism or the, you know, from trying something for the very first time? If you're someone who's really never like touched into what does it feel like to be in my body? What I just went through is that's really challenging to do. Like you're probably not like some people can naturally just do it. Other people cannot. For me, I want to share personally, that was fucking impossible. It took me because I was never specifically working with someone years to feel safe touching into my body. Like I had to build an entire foundation to even do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But for a longest time, I made it mean something about me. For the longest time, when I was actually working with, it's a lie to say that I wasn't working with someone. I was working with people. I, they would, it's hard to say because I can't like listen. I don't know if it was the way they asked the questions or just me already making it mean something that I couldn't even hear the questions. But I remember them being like, okay, what does it feel like to be in your body? And I felt like I was supposed to say a certain answer. And so I would just lie. Because I was like, oh my God, they're expecting me to feel a certain way. Which again, I'm not sure if they were or that, I mean, chances are that was probably completely me putting that on myself. <laughs> um, some of that was some coaches not really leaving space for my own individual response, which is a whole other topic um, and where trauma-informed um, somatic work is so important. Um, but at the end of the day, I just lied because I was like, oh, well, I'm supposed to feel something and I'm too scared. Or, you know, maybe I would say that, oh, I didn't feel it. And I like could sense they were getting frustrated with me or I felt like I was taking up, you know, too much space or I was like, oh, well, crap, we can't get to the good stuff because I'm not doing this part right. Right. So what happened is I just wouldn't tell them or maybe I told them once again and then we I, it happened again where I wasn't feeling it or I didn't think it was happening right. And then we just moved past it because I was expecting this perfectionism from both myself and also from the session. 
I was expecting myself to know how to just do a technique for my body to just be safe with this technique that it had never tried before, never really done before. And what did that result in? Well, a lot of sessions that sometimes, I mean, I don't want to say they were useless. They weren't. I got some stuff out of them. Sometimes I left sessions feeling a lot worse because then I just felt shame about like, shit, I didn't do it. And now I feel like I wasted the whole session. And now it's like, I've dug myself into such a hole with this person that like, I can't tell them I was like lying the whole time. Right. Um, or I would say like, if I could, could go along with what they were saying, I was expecting it to fix everything. And so then I'd end these sessions and I'd be like, well, I still have my problems. This didn't work. This is stupid. Right? Like it's just the cycle of perfectionism I kept running into. And I see the same thing with so many of my clients, but now I'm recognizing it. And, and I think this is so important because I don't feel like this was ever recognized for me or called out for me. And it really, one, obviously got me to where I am today and the ability to recognize it, but I also feel like it slowed my journey down like significantly and it is what it is, right? If we're expecting perfection from a technique without even allowing ourselves to learn it or experience or to like, quote unquote, fail at it or be really bad at it, like it's impossible. Like the, the, since I dive so deeply into somatic work in my work with um, clients Getting to just even somatic work itself is such a different frame than most people have. It is such a significant shift that it takes, it takes time to one, even be open to it. Okay. I really want to put that out there first. There are absolutely clients I work with who we will spend like a month or two or like many sessions or just might be one or two sessions. It depends on the clients. Just even getting the nervous system to be open to doing somatic work. And we do that by addressing a lot of other stuff first. It's not like I'm sitting there in sessions being like, okay, let's do somatic work. No, not at all. It's just building the safety to touching or just touching in and like little touch points, kind of dipping the toe in and stepping back because to do it all at once would just flood the nervous system and re-traumatize it, which is not helpful. Okay. So one, we have to make sure the nervous system even has safety to go there. And if it doesn't, then amazing to recognize. And there is, then the safety needs to be built, which can all happen. It just needs to be built first before you're diving into it. And, and what happened for me was I didn't have the safety, but I was diving into like, Coaches were pulling me into really, really deep work that my nervous system had zero capacity to process. And again, nothing was wrong with the techniques they were doing. It was not appropriate for my nervous system. And it is also wrong of me. I mean, not that I was able to say this at the time, but I was expecting perfection from my practitioners from my coaches, expecting them to know exactly where I was and exactly what I was thinking when I was kind of blatantly lying to them. Like I wasn't even being honest to them just because I didn't have the safety to be honest with them. 
but I wasn't honest about not being honest with them, if that makes sense. So it's like, I was expecting them to do all these things for me when I wasn't even able to admit that I was having perfectionism towards them and also admit that like, hey, maybe I'm expecting like, maybe one technique in one session is not gonna cure a lifetime of issues, right? So, so both of these things play in there. And I want to go back to the piece of expecting ourselves to like master a technique right away too, because this is so important. And this is probably the biggest, biggest, biggest place I see perfectionism block healing is oftentimes, especially things that are healing at a nervous system level, like deep healing work, it has to take time and repetition because that is what our, like physiologically our nervous systems need the repetition. Like we could do an amazing amount of healing very quickly, but if you don't repeat it, and you don't keep touching back into that and building those neural systems, then it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> not that it was wrong or unhelpful, just it was very much just something that happened in a point of time that felt great. And then it's probably not going to translate to much in your life. So if you're expecting your complete mastery right away, complete transformation right away from these techniques, you've just immediately set yourself up for failure. And this is the biggest reason why I see somatic work, um, embodiment work, and the type of work that I do where we're really healing at a deep nervous system level, um, where we're bringing the emotions into it and really, really making space for them, where I see it not translate into anything is because there is no space given to being really bad at it at first. Because we are going to be really bad at it at first. I was really fucking bad at it at first. Because no one ever taught us. It's a brand new skill. And not only is it a brand new skill, we're unlearning other skills in the process. So there's a video worth watching if you've never seen it. And just Google like, guy learns to ride a backwards bicycle or something like that. I'm sure it'll come up. In this video, this guy is learning... He, he like engineers his bicycle. So when he like turns the handlebars left, the wheel turns right, right? Which is opposite of how a normal bike is. And it takes him, I think, eight months of daily practice to learn how to ride that bike. It's a long time. It's also a really short time in the scheme of life, but it could probably feel like a really long time to do something daily and like just completely fall. Like he, the videos of him, I mean, it's funny. Like he just, it's just completely fall, like instantly falls over. Like cannot even get on the bike. And I think this is so similar to somatic work and, and learning this deep work because what may, like if you were putting a kid on a new bike, right? It doesn't take that long. I mean, every kid's different, but for the most part, it's not gonna take a kid that long to learn a bike for the first time especially how the handlebars turn and all that kind of stuff because they didn't have any reference point. He isn't having to unlearn things first and then relearn things simultaneously. It's not like it happens in this like linear pattern. Like you can't like pick this out of your brain, which is why this is so hard. 
And so this work is so similar. Like you're gonna fumble and fuck up a lot. And it's not, and it's not fucking, like it's not failure. Like that's, that's how you learn. Like that is the process. And the more we can see that that's the process and not doing it wrong and not be caught in perfectionism, the more room it opens. Because at the end of the day, most people wouldn't be willing to try that for eight months straight. Like, I, I forget what his motivation was, but like, I mean, I think he was running a very like, you know, thought out experiment here. Like most people are not going to have that. So if you are equating being bad at something to failing at it, then you're not going to come back to it. You'll, you'll give up because of course it feels shitty. But what if every time you know, you forgot to get go into your body or you messed up the tool or whatever and you learned something. It was like, oh my God, I just learned it at a deeper level. I just have one more touch point. I just gained one more touch point for doing this work. And that is where the healing happens. All right, that's where the magic happens is dropping the perfectionism not doing it perfectly. And that's exactly why you get good at it. That's exactly how you master techniques. And at the end of the day, the the techniques I'm diving into, these somatic techniques are so important to any other type of healing we do because it's almost impossible to implement other things. Like I really see the work here that I'm doing as being the foundation for anything else. Like if you're trying to build a house and you forget to like put down a strong foundation or like dig underground and like put in the pipes and do stuff, shit's going to go wrong. You might try to build a house on top of it. It's not going to work out very well. Maybe you do get a pretty house and you're like, fuck none of the water like the sinks don't work. So I forgot to put, water pipes in. I have I don't know. Right? Because there are ultimately things that might be required for healing chronic pain. This is going to vary from person to person. This is not diagnostic in any ways, but some people might require nutrition changes. Some people may require different types of exercise or seeing different types of practitioners. And if we cannot lose the perfectionism, if we're so attached to the perfectionism while trying to pursue these things, and there's so much mental drama about, oh my God, I did this one thing and it didn't instantly cure me, or you know, I tried this one exercise one time that my physical therapist gave me and it actually made me feel worse. And we aren't able to like get into our bodies and stop and pause and ask questions and be with the discomfort and really look at it from like a very clear place, we're never going to get anywhere. We just are going to keep driving ourselves in cycles of like, let me try this next thing then. When really, maybe it was the thing that you tried before, you just had to keep doing it. But you can't just keep doing it, right? That's like what patriarchy says. It's like, come on, just keep doing it. Hustle through it. Keep going. No, we need to clear what's blocking. What's the resistance and, and learn about that. Examine that. And when, when you have the ability to do that, you can freaking implement anything in your life because you you have the tools to lo- understanding what's actually blocking you. It's actually getting in your way from implementing things, right? You could have the perfect protocol for healing. And if you can't do it, well, 
you're not going to get anywhere, right? And often what we hear is just try harder. Something's wrong with you. And then we, right, we, now you can see where this enters. Like, I'm not being perfect. I'm not, I'm not following this perfect protocol. I'm a lazy piece of shit and I suck as a human, right? Like, th- these are the voices <laughs> that, that come up. And if we don't know how to deal with these voices, which are so tied into perfectionism and praise and shame and, and this just unwinnable game that we've all put ourselves in, then it's really, really hard to heal. I mean, honestly, it's impossible to heal. We cannot heal in the same environment that created the chronic pain in the first place. And this attachment to perfectionism, these, um, this inability to be embodied and touch into our bodies all played a role. I'm not saying there's like caused it and there were other factors as well, but they're all intertwined in that. And they're, even if they had nothing to do with the pain, like let's say your accident happened, you know, something happened, like it was an accident that was completely out of your control. The unfortunate reality is, is to heal, we need to clear the way. And often this emotional drama and patterns, which are tied up in perfectionism, are going to create so much resistance in our systems. Oh, all right. So that was big. So what to do about all of this, <laughs> right? And one, there's, as was mentioned, there's bit, like somatic work and diving deep is huge. And, and, and. I really think it's easy with perfectionism to get too tied up into like trying to do too much inner work and somatic work or like thought work around it. Um the one thing I want to leave you with when it comes to perfectionism, it is ubiquitous. It is going to show up everywhere in so many different ways and can be a sneaky son of a bitch sometimes. It can be really fucking sneaky in how it shows up. Um, like, I'm going to share just one example, but like, I definitely, because again, I... I, I coach women on perfectionism. Like this is a huge thing of what I do. And it will show up in like really sneaky ways for me still. And like, oh, well now, like, cause I, I talk a lot about rest and joy and it'll show up of like, you're not experiencing your joy correctly or perfectly enough. Like you should be doing it this way, right? Like it'll show up in the name and the voice isn't that obvious. It's going to show up like in the name of this amazing work you're doing, you should be doing it this way instead. <laughs> and I'm like, you little bastard. All right. So <laughs> just know it can show up super sneaky. The voice can kind of sound helpful. Actually, it almost always sounds helpful. So all I want you to do, I just have one, one tip is call it out. The more we can just, you don't have to do anything else. Just call it out. Just notice it of like, oh, that was perfectionism. That's it. Just notice it. Just like, and if you can verbally call it out, even better. I get that that's not possible in every scenario. And you can even give it a nickname if you want. Whatever you do, if you give it a nickname, like do something funny, like belittle the shit out of it. Like, oh, you're adorable for showing up here. You just, this is so cute. You just want to bop, your, bop you in the little nose. A little perfectionism here. Like, just call it out. Laugh at it. Notice it. Or you can be really angry at it too. That's any emotions you feel toward it are, of course, completely valid. 
And that's all I, I want you to do is just call it out. Okay, I cannot stress this enough. The more we can call it out and notice where it's showing up, it's amazing how much that, just that, starts to shift things dramatically. So let me know how this goes. I want to hear what sneaky places you notice or what really obvious places you notice it in. And if you have any further questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. Um, DMing me on Instagram is by far the easiest way to get a hold of me at Dr. Andrea Moore. That's D-R-A-N-D-R-E-A-M-O-O-R-E. Um, you can contact me on my website, drandreamore.com, spelled the same way. And um, I so look forward to hearing from you. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. If you think this episode will be helpful for anyone else, please feel free to share this episode, spread it around, get this word out. This is so important. This affects so many women with and without chronic pain, but very much with chronic pain, of course. And um, just, you can also leave a rating. So thank you so, so much. I appreciate you listening. I know you could be doing so many other things right now. And I will... See you next, hear, hear you, talk to you, whatever the word is here, talk to you next episode. <laughs>